This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. But, you know, I got thinking about that, and at first I thought the power of words, that'll be pretty easy. We, we all know that. We grew up in children's church learning about the power of the tongue, about the words that we speak and how powerful all that is. But we need to hear that again. That's one that we need a constant refresher on. So I'm just going to kind of scratch the surface today and, and kind of get into it. And I just want to basically cover the basis today on making the point that words are powerful. And so, you know, words have, words have shaped our world from the very beginning, and they continue to, to do so today. We see it in, unfortunately, all the time, we see these politicians with teams of speechwriters around them making sure they have every word exactly right, right? And they want to get each word, and they, it's carefully analyzed because they want people to buy into what they're saying, right? Unfortunately, there's so many words out there today that we're not listening half the time anymore. I mean, how many of you, man, just open a new software package, or how many of you buy in a house? That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. You sit at closing, and they bring out literally a stack, right? of papers, and they sit down in front of you with attorneys, and you have like 78 places to sign. And my wife is the one to be like, page one, okay, what does this say? And which is good because most people never read all that mess. But, or, or you open a new software package, and, and sometimes they now make you scroll all the way to the bottom. You scroll through like 12 pages of stuff before you can hit agree at the bottom, just so you can type your paper. It's like, give me a break, man. All I want my kids to be able to do is use paint and make a smiley face on my screen, and i got to agree to this lengthy license agreement, right? But people are twisting words today. We had a, now y'all know I don't get into politics, but, <laughs> but we had a certain person running for president that made a statement a couple weeks ago. This person said, laws have to be backed up with resources and political will, and deep-seated cultural codes, religious beliefs, and structural biases have to be changed. And everybody's going, yeah, yeah. And I was like, what, what did they just say? I mean, what, what, what? And you look back at that, it says that I've got to change my religious beliefs because of laws that have to be backed up by resources and political will? Is anybody listening anymore? Nobody's listening to words anymore. They're twisting these words. The church more and more is being called a hate group. And all they're doing is twisting words. You know, the church is frequently being called intolerant these days. You know, tolerance used to mean, it just meant to put up with something, right? You know what? I got a person living next door to me that's living their life crazy, but they're not breaking laws, they're not affecting anybody else, and I can tolerate and respect them as a human being, right? That's tolerance. Sometimes we tolerate things with our kids, right? Sometimes we tolerate, but now tolerance means you have to agree with me or you are a hater. I don't hate you. You don't agree with me, so you hate me. No, I don't. No, I don't. And that's what tolerance, intolerance, it's come to mean, right? Things are being twisted. In our culture today, like I say, there's contracts for everything. And it's just as easy to find a loophole. <laughs> we got a country. You know what? You, you may have signed a contract and said this and this, but if it doesn't work out for you, you just hire somebody to find a loophole in the contract right quick, and you're out. It's always a loophole, right? And don't even get me started on social media. Man, how many of us, how many of you get upset at a regular basis on something you read online? You just can't believe it. Oh, I, oh, 
person is so stupid. I can't believe him. Or you read something later, come to find out it wasn't even true in the first place. You got all worked up over it. Or it wasn't the whole story. You know, it's been a good while, but you know, as far as the worship team goes, you know what I've brought more correction on than anything else? Facebook. Or I'll have to get somebody and go, do you know what you put on Facebook this week? That was bad. Let's not put anything like that up anymore. Because people put up immediately what they're feeling in a moment. It's posted, those words for the whole world to read. True? We had a, some of you know, a, there, there was a, a kid who drummed for us for a while that uh, many of you know, and, and uh, he wouldn't mind me saying this today, but uh, he, he was having some kind, he was a teenager, and was having, a couple years ago, was having some kind of girl troubles or something. And he posted online one day, I'm just done with it all. You know, I had two calls from two different people in the church that said, uh, I think he's suicidal. Uh, the Lord told me that he's about to commit suicide. And I was like, wait, what, what? Oh, I hope the folks aren't here. I'm not making fun of you if you did call me. I don't remember who it was. But anyway, and I called him up, and I'm like, dude, are you suicidal? He's like, what? No. Why would I be suicidal? Like, well, you posted on Facebook early in the week. I'm done with it all. He goes, I was just done with the drama. I'm tired of all the mess and all the drama in my circle of friends. I'm not suicidal. I'm like, okay, you might ought to be careful the way you word things because people are watching. And it's all words. You know what really is funny to me? Let me pick on my daughter for a minute. <laughs> you can't read emotion and stuff from text messages. Lauren will tell me, I talked to so-and-so the other day, and she was like, hey, how are you? And I was like, good. And I so much appreciate it. And I was like, when did you talk to him? Oh, it was a text message. And I'm like, text message? How do you read emotion in text message? But we do, and sometimes it's wrong. Have you ever gotten a text message from somebody, and you're like, oh, they're mad at me. Oh, no. They weren't mad. It was just the way something was worded, or it was autocorrect, man. We can all get some stories on autocorrect. <laughs> I've had some close calls, you know what I'm saying? It's like, wow. And it's just words. Words are powerful. Anybody here can admit that they struggle sometimes with holding their tongue? We had a situation last week with uh, Aaron, Aaron's baseball game, and we had a, uh, uh, a ref who I guess wasn't making very good calls, and assistant coach for Aaron's team got a little upset and mouthed, I hope he's not here, I mean, I, I don't really know him, but <laughs> no offense, bro, <laughs> I could learn a few things. Uh, he kind of mouthed off to the, to the ref, mouthed off at the ref a bit. Okay, well, it happens sometimes, but the ref warned him a couple times, and Finally, he said, you're out. Get off the field after he pushed it so far. Now, the guy went, goes over around the fence, you know, behind the, the batter. And I guess the ref made a bad call again, and he said, started making comments to the ref again from the other side of the fence. Ref ends up saying, fine, you forfeit. Game over. Aaron comes home, and he's so, that stupid ref. I can't believe. I was like, your dumb assistant coach needs to learn to keep his mouth shut. Because, oh man, I hope he's not here. I just said don't. <laughs> but, but, uh, but really, I was like, sometimes we don't agree. And there's not instant replay like the major leagues. And sometimes you've got to keep your mouth shut or you forfeit and it affects everybody else around. So an important lesson for our kids, you know. So words have immensible, Im immeasurable power. The author Roy Williams said, words start wars and end them. Create love and choke it. They bring us laughter and joy and tears. 
Words cause men and women to willingly willingly risk their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. Our world as we know it revolves around the power of words. So my first point, if you look in your notes, your little note sheet there, number one is God shaped the world with his words. And we're not going to read the whole first chapter of Genesis, but I do want to break it down here for a minute. But we're going to just go to Genesis chapter 1. First point though, God shaped the world with his words. So we got obviously in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? How did he do this? Verse 3, God said, let there be light. And there was. So with, and you realize the sun and the moon wasn't even created yet, right? How awesome is that? He created light without the sun. He was the light. Illuminated the earth. There was light. And the light he called day. So he starts getting, uh, he starts getting his creation and he's assigning descriptions. He's assigning names to it, right? So he says, the day he called light, the day he called the light he called day, my bad, and the darkness he called night. And then you jump on down to verse 6. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters that divide the waters from the waters. Basically talking about the, uh, the atmosphere, the sky. And God called the firmament heaven. And then in verse 9, God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place. Let the dry land appear. And the dry land was called earth, and the gathering of the waters was called the sea. Right? And then in verse... What is the next verse? Verse 11. Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And then verse 14. God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens and the sky to divide the day from night, and let them be signs. Let them be for signs and seasons. Man, sorry. And for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament and the heavens to give light on the earth, and it was so. Sorry, I'm just twisting words. And then God made the, uh, two great lights. He made the sun and the moon, and it says he made the stars also. And then in verse 20, God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures. Let the birds fly across the earth, across the firmament of the heavens. And then uh, verse 24, God said, Let the earth bring forth living creature according to its kind, cattle, creeping thing, beast of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. And we know in verse 26, God goes on to make man. The point is here, all authority is in God's word. True? All authority. Um, All power is in God's word. And all creation responds to God's word. That's why, from the very beginning, God could speak to a mountain and he could say, move from there to there. I would just love to see that once. (laughs) That would just be awesome. God could say, mountain, I want you to get up and skip from there to there. And that thing would get up and it would say, it would. It would respond to his word. True? Because all power and all authority is in God's word, which tells us why, a whole other message, but tells us why there's power in the name of Jesus. And we, we don't need to get into that. Mark 11, verse 14. Jesus has approached the fig tree No figs on that tree, right? And he says in verse 14, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And then I like the last part the most. It says, and his disciples heard it. Because faith comes from what? 
And if you skip on down there to verse 20, it says, Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, comma, remembering, remembering what? The words said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Tell me Peter's faith wasn't boosted a little bit in that moment. He remembered the word, and he had faith in that word even more so than he ever had at that point. True? So we've got God comes through, and he creates the world in perfection. Everything was perfect, wasn't it? And we came along and messed it all up in a moment. We're pretty good at that. I am. And so, what does God have to do in response? God speaks again. He speaks his word. He speaks covenant. And he kept every promise that he made along the way after we messed it up. He kept every promise. Even when we didn't, he kept every promise, didn't he? He kept his word. Do you realize... God didn't, didn't keep his word. If he broke one of those promises, his word would be powerless. But he kept every single one along the way. He goes on to give us salvation through Jesus. What is Jesus? Jesus is the word. John 1.1, 1, 1, right from the very beginning. John 1.14, word became flesh in Jesus, right? We confess with our mouth. That is called words. We back that up with the belief in our heart, right? Words are powerful. And guess what? God gave us mouths, so that means he wants us to speak words. He gave us that same ability. We were created in his image, right? So just like he speaks words, we speak words as well. That brings me to number two. We shape the world with words. So number one, God shapes the world with words. Number two, we shape the word, world with words. Now, y'all know the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but y'all act like you don't know it. And what a lie it is. Isn't that true? What a li- Y'all lying in church. Sticks and stones will break my bones. The words will never hurt me. People say things. People speak words. And those words can either lift us up or they can tear us right down, can't they? Words hurt and words heal. Words can be extremely powerful. And it's funny, we may not even remember words we spoke in a moment. Man, but that person we spoke them to sure does. Isn't that true? You may have somebody in your life who spoke words to you when you were very young. And they may not have even thought anything of it, but they spoke some words to you. And now you're 50 or 60 years old, 70 or 80 years old, and you still remember those words. You remember the encouragement that it brought you at a certain time in your life. And they didn't think anything of it. In the same token, we probably also have words that were spoken to us by somebody years and years ago. They may not remember, they may not have thought anything of it either, but it broke us down, wounded us so deeply, some of us are still carrying that to this day, and it's affecting all of our relationships and everything around us. True? However, you know, words are very powerful, and 
people speak these words to us, be it positive or negative. But you know, I added this, I thought about this last night. Sometimes we hear what we want to hear. And sometimes, sometimes we hear what we expect to hear. You ever been there? Where you already had a certain feeling about yourself, certain insecurities, and somebody said something, and we heard what we expected, but it wasn't what they said. Sometimes we hear through the filter of our own insecurities. But perception, the perception and the emotion that we feel is very real though, right? When we hurt somebody, that's something I've tried to express to my children, that's not what I meant, I didn't mean to, but the way they feel is their reality. And so it's still okay to say I'm sorry in a moment, right? The Bible shows us, the Bible talks a lot about words and it talks about how powerful words are. It tells us that words can be very meaningful, but words can be very scarring. They can leave deep wounds. Words can be very uplifting. All of us have spoken words at some point that we've regretted the moment they left our mouth, right? I mean, hopefully you've never <laughs> walked up to a woman, oh, when are you due? I ain't even pregnant. What are you talking about? Hopefully you've never done that. But we've all spoken words before. That we were, the moment they came out of our mouth, we went, uh-oh. You can tell by the look on the person's face, right? <laughs> um, let me, I'll give you a little tech tip here. How many of you use Gmail? The church email system uses Gmail uh, we use our own domain, never mind. We use Gmail, and there's, um, there's little, some of you don't know, there's little plugins for Gmail where you can make it do certain things, and I found, after sending a few emails that I kind of regretted a few years ago, I found the coolest little feature. If you go into settings in Gmail and go to labs, it's basically plugins for your email, there's a, there's a, there's a plugin called undo send. Now, they say, you know, once you send an email, you can never take it back. Well, Gmail kind of, they, what they did is they, they do is they put a delay on it. So now, every time I send an email, I hit it, it looks like it's sent, but at the top of my screen, it says sending, and there's a countdown going up there, and it counts down from 15 seconds, and there's a little cancel right next to it. Oh, that's cool. That was a couple times I've gone, cancel, and it comes back up on my screen. I'm like, okay, I need to rethink that. I need to, I need to, I need to reword that, you know, because how many of us have ever sent, a, especially a text message, you send that, and then you look at it and go, oh, man, they might take that wrong. That's not what I'm... We all have stories of words we regretted that came out of our mouth in a moment. And you know, the fact of the matter is we all have influence over someone. We all have someone in our life that looks up to us, that respects us, whatever it may be. And we may not think much of the words that we speak to them, but the words that we speak, they carry weight. Does that make sense? So, you know, obviously... You know, if, if you're a t teacher in some kind of position like that, you know, it would be those that are, that are under you. You know, a, a coach would be your team. Hopefully for a husband, it's your wife. And your wife, it's a husband. If you're a parent, hopefully it's your children. You know, it may be friends, it may be whoever it is. But there are people in our life who looked up to us and respect us, and those, that's where we have to be very careful with the words we say. Because, you know, in those moments, we've all seen the emotional response. You ever said something to somebody, and all of a sudden you saw the emotional response on their face? And you immediately start thinking... What did I say? Oh, wait a minute. And you're, and you're backtracking. You're going, uh, and our immediate response is to say, that's not what I meant. We try and cover our words with more words, right? And we can see it in just a moment. You're sitting there thinking, are they about to cry? What did I say? That's not what I meant. I was being very gentle. 
And you can just see them breaking down inside, trying to hold it back. And you're going, oh, no. Words are very powerful. Our words are like a loaded weapon. I say that, what, the tongue is the only tool that grows sharper with use? They have to learn to tame the tongue. So turn with me real quick to, actually, we're going to spend the rest of the time in, probably in James chapter 3. And, you know, this is uh, where James is talking about the, the power of the tongue. But when I talked back a couple of months ago, I was talking about um, the Father's design for sexuality. I, I was talking about the early church and where things were at. Y'all do realize that when Jesus ascended into heaven, the apostles thought Jesus was coming back any day, right? They were expecting him to come back. They were expecting this thing to happen quickly. And so they're doing what Jesus said, and they're running around, and they're, they're going around all over the world. They're preaching the gospel, and, and months start ticking by, and years, and the church is just exploding in size, and they start going, you know what? we got to start addressing some issues. And that's when they start writing all these letters to all these churches that are forming all over the place. And they're going, Jesus isn't back yet. I guess we got to live in this world for a while. So we need to talk about some stuff. And so, you know, we hit some of that in 1 Corinthians, you know, that uh, Paul was writing. But here we have in James, this is James, the brother of Jesus. James is saying we need to address some things. And so he dedicates basically chapter 3 to talking about the words of our mouth, talking about our tongue. So this is something that obviously a couple of thousand years ago, this was very important and it was probably quite an issue in the early church. So James is speaking here, and he says in verse 2, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle the whole body. I see that as saying, you know what? You could tame, you could perfect every other area of your life before you could get your tongue completely under control. And actually, there's another version that says that someone who has tamed his or her tongue has become a fully mature Christian. We have any fully mature Christians here? Thank you for not raising your hand. If you can fully tame your tongue, you have become a fully mature Christian. Pretty crazy. And in verse 3, he says, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths, and they obey us, and we turn their whole body. So, I, I don't have horses at this point in my life, um, or I would have brought a bit to show you. But, you know, I, from what I understand, a bit only weighs about a half pound or so. But if you can get that little piece of metal and you can get it in that huge animal's mouth, you can control the entire animal, right? Horses, you know, what average 800 to 1,200 pounds, and you can direct its entire body by that little bit in its mouth. And then in verse 4, look also at ships. Although they are very large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by very small rudder wherever the pilot's, pilot desires. Technology hadn't changed a whole lot in 2,000 years, has it? Little rudder. They were starting to get some pretty nice-sized ships by that point in history. And they could load a lot of people on those things. And obviously they were driven by, by sails, but they still had to be directed. And they still had that one little rudder that directed that thing all over the sea. And then in verse 5, even so, or in the same way, the tongue is a little member of the body and boasts great things, saying it can, can control the whole body. See how great a forest a little fire Kindles. How do you remember? I remember when I was a little kid, the old Smokey the Bear commercials. Only you can prevent forest fires. Right? And they have the little video of them, the family putting out their campfire and pouring the water on it, taking off. 
and you see the little ember burning down there. Next thing you know, you see a whole forest burning. We lived up near Chicago for a little while, and I remember hearing about the, the great fire of Chicago in the late 1800s. Any of y'all ever heard about that? It burned like, like four square miles in 24 hours, like over 100,000 homes. It was the majority of the city of Chicago. And there was all kinds of reasons why it burned so long that the fire trucks, which were horse-drawn, um, were actually sent to the wrong place. And they couldn't figure out, uh, I don't know how you don't figure out where the fire is um, <laughs> back then, look for black smoke. But somehow they were very delayed, and it turns out that the whole thing was started by one horse that kicked over a lantern and took out one of the largest cities in the U.S., in that day. It was, it was considered probably the largest disaster in the U.S. during that decade. I'm sorry, that century. Crazy. One little spark, right? That's like guys that come to us and just can't understand their wives. All I said was this, and she just went ballistic, right? I didn't mean anything by it, right? One little spark, can cause a forest fire. True? James is reminding us the repercussions of our words can be huge. Verse 6, continuing on in that, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. You know, there's another version that says a world of unimaginable evil. I was like, man, man. <laughs> Brother's getting dramatic. I mean, he is serious about this thing right here. Words have caused wars. Words cause people to forsake the covenant they made before God that lead to divorce. Words destroy the self-esteem of millions of people. Words cause people to lose their jobs. Words change the course of people's lives. In verse 6, continuing on, um, the tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. It is set on fire by hell. Serious. <laughs> and you see that James is really making a point here. He's really serious about this thing. Listen, I take this to mean, especially young people, listen, you've got to be careful with your words. There are fires that you will start with your words that will never be put out. You will never be able to put them out person, whoever it is that you hurt so deeply, will choose not to, and they'll let it burn. And no matter how bad you want it, all you'll be able to do is pray. Can't take it back. I'm sorry is not enough. Apologies. Nothing you can say. Nothing you can do. I see that as part of that world of iniquity that comes forth from our tongues in a moment when we just didn't have the self-control, didn't exercise the self-control. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no one can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. He's using all kinds of metaphors and some great stuff, man. But you know, he's saying here, even during that time, a couple thousand years ago, they had tamed every, at least controlled every animal. He's saying that was easy next to the tongue. Then in verse 9, he takes it a step further. He jumps on into the church. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men 
who have been made in the similitude or the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, my brethren, these things ought not be so. He's saying, guys, I just don't get it. We come into church and we use our mouth to sing and to praise Jesus and we go out to the parking lot and somebody cuts us off and we're cursing under our breath. Spewing all kinds of mess. Ah. You know, this scripture, honestly, verse 9 there and verse 10, that's always been one of those scary scriptures to me. There's a few in there that, that just kind of bug me. Every time I look at this, I kind of want to rededicate my life to Jesus again. You know what I mean? Because you look at this, you know, he goes on, he talks about verse 11. Let's read verse 11. Does a spring send forth both fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives and grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. That always bugs me. Because I know the things that come out of my heart, or at least my attitudes, and, and the things that I have to keep from coming out of my mouth sometimes. I know that blessing and cursing both come out of my mouth sometimes. And it's kind of like, you know, I was talking about last time about, you know, where Jesus said in Scripture, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? I know that sometimes the spring of my mouth, I mean, how many of you can agree? Sometimes we are so double-minded when it comes, to our, it comes to our mouths. And it makes me want to, like I say, give my life to Jesus again. Lord, I surrender again. I'm sorry. If we're careful, our tongue can do incredible damage. But if we can get the right bit in our mouth, and the bit is God's word. We can get the right bit in our mouth, we can get things under control. The bit of righteousness and holiness, we can tame that thing. Again, number three real quick, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, um, but because I, I want to do it later, but we can change the world with his words. We can change the world with his words. Guys, this is where everything changes. And we know that God shaped the world with his words. We know that we shape our world with, his, with our words every day. But if we can get his word, replace our words with his words, we can change the world. The world has been shaped. It's a world of iniquity. <laughs> but if we can get his words. You know, in Mark 16, you know, this, the, the great commission Jesus said, go into the world, go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and all. Announce. What is that talking about there? It's words, right? Announce. Speak the words of the message of the good news. We've got to choose what it is that's going to come out of our mouth and what we're going to speak. Whoever believes. Believes what? The word. Whoever believes and is baptized is saved. Whoever refuses, refuses what? The word is damned. I don't, like I say, I, I don't want to spend a, a whole lot of time on this right now because I, I want to go into that next week and, and we'll never stop if I, if I don't. But I, I want to talk for the next few weeks, I want to talk about, I want to talk about our words that can be painful, our words that can hurt. I want to talk about words that can heal. And I want to talk especially about the words of faith because these are the words that change everything. These are the words that change our life. These are the words that can change you from the situation you're in in this moment into something brand new. It was words of faith that we spoke in a moment when we confessed with our mouth and believed with our heart, right, that made us a new creation. 
It's the same thing. So, you know, I want to say, start wrapping up with this. If you have got a, a situation in your life where you know you started a, word, started a fire with your words, listen, it's our responsibility to try and put that thing out. It may not be completely possible, but you can do your part. And y'all know how long it can take to put out a forest fire, right? That is not a simple thing. But God wants us to step up and do his part in that. Like I said, apologies are not always enough. I'm sorry is not always enough. And the damage that it does, man, especially in a marriage between a husband and a wife, the damage it has done in a moment when certain words are spoken. Most of us who are married, we've been there before where a word that was spoken that crossed the line that had never been crossed before. Kind of changes things in a moment, doesn't it? And you've got to handle that just right. Or what it'll do is it'll go on to cause lots of destruction. We've got to begin to recognize the power of our words. As we've got to learn to think before we speak. Our mouths are loaded weapons. Loaded weapons that we don't need a permit to carry. What is, what is the waiting period for a gun in Mississippi? Anybody know? What is it? Huh? Five minutes. Well, this is Mississippi. Is there not a waiting period for guns in Mississippi? Is it three days? Okay. Okay, okay. Some places still have up to like a 10-day in places. Some places it's 48 hours. You know, I, I'd never really thought about that before, about why there's a waiting period for guns. Why is there a waiting period for guns? You're going to do something stupid, Right? stumbled upon something that you wish you hadn't stumbled upon that made you so mad, so angry, that next thing you know, you're at a gun shop. All right, sir, that'll be ready for you in 10 days. <laughs> Thank you for your payment, right? Sometimes we need to learn to holster our mouth the way we would holster a gun. And I wanted to address this before I close, too. In our culture today, it's become a cool thing to run your mouth. People are proud of it. And it, it kind of it, it bugs me now when people come up to me and goes, you know what so-and-so said to me? Well, I came back, and you know what I said? I said, and, they st and it's like so proud of it, just like, I said, you know, I just laid into them, and I said, it's like, golly, man. Speaking destructive words and so proud of it, just so I came back. Like, golly, man, man. That's not the way it's supposed to be. We've got to recognize the power of our words. We don't have to have the last word, and we don't have to always be right. When we have that mindset, we say things we wish we hadn't said. The problem is, with the way our culture is at today, we're proud of what we said. We're glad. They deserved it. Guys, we might all have a little bit of that in us. And we need to repent of that attitude. It's, it's wrong. It's not right. It's not godly in, in any way. Let's, let's bow our heads together. I'm just going to ask you today, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you made him Lord? You may have. That's the first step. You want to 
tame your tongue. You want to control the words of your mouth. You want to make a difference with your words. You want to speak God's words. Well, first thing we got to do is we got to give our life to Him. we got to say, Lord, I surrender every part of me to You. I give up my dreams and my visions the way I think things ought to be done, and I'm going to live my life according to Your Word. I'm going to embrace Your way. I'm going to embrace Your love. I'm going to embrace Your grace. I'm going to do things Your way. But I would ask everybody in the, same, in the same vein there, have you surrendered every area of your life to Jesus? Have you surrendered your mouth to Jesus? When it says we give our life to Christ, we give every area, every part, holding nothing back. And we like, we, man, we love to hang on to this and hang on to that and not surrender it to Jesus. Guys, I, we all have issues with our mouth sometimes. But if that's you and you know, man, that is something I struggle with. I struggle with the words that come out of my mouth. I need to surrender that to Jesus today. I encourage you to pray this same prayer. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying you need to surrender again. And you need to give that over to him and say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Be Lord of my mouth. I don't want to speak cursing anymore. I want to speak blessing with every word that proceeds from my mouth. I asked this last time, the Lord really hit me with this, but I would ask you, do you have the desire to please God? Is His Word the God for your life, even when you don't like what it says? Are you open and ready to respond when He points out an area of your heart? Maybe when He points to your mouth and says, we need to work on this. Are we willing to say, yes, Lord? Are we willing to allow him to work out that area in us? Or do we hold it back and say, no, God, not now. That's mine. Do I have the desire to please God? Do I long to live a righteous life? Do I feel conviction? I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, if there's areas of your life that you know that you're living that are contrary to God's word, and you don't feel any conviction over it, it doesn't hurt your heart even a little bit, I, I would strongly encourage you to give your life to Jesus again. Say, God, I surrender. I am so sorry. I'm going to live for you with everything that I've got. If that's you and you would say, I need to surrender again today. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to surrender this part of my heart, my life, my mouth, whatever it is. If that's you, Lift up your hand for me real quick with every head bowed. Yes, who else? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Who else? Eight, nine, ten, eleven. Anybody else? Let's say, I'm going to surrender to Jesus today. I'm going to do everything within me. I'm going to give it all my effort to live for him with everything that I've got. Anybody else? Twelve. Even if you didn't raise your hand, we're, we're all going to pray together. And the Bible says that you just speak this forth. If you believe in your heart and you speak these words, the Bible says you become a new creation. And you can be assured that the moment that you pass out of this life, whether it be this afternoon or 90 years from now, you're going to open your eyes and you're going to be standing with Jesus. 
It's not worth the risk to know that the day you pass away, you're not going to be with him. The Bible says the only choice is heaven and hell. Please get your life right with Jesus today. Surrender your life to him. Let's pray this together. Dear Lord, I thank you for sending your son Jesus. I am so desperate. I'm so desperate for Jesus. I need him in my life. So Lord, today I confess Jesus is Lord of my life. I'm not going to live for myself. Not one more day. I give up my dreams. I give up my plans. I give up my desires. And I allow you to guide my steps. Lord, I will follow you. I will serve you. I will love you all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, fill me now. Empower me to live this life of purpose that you made for me. I give you honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.